0: say to you this week what is my life now what was my life before I suppose is another question before this before this other person was in my life he doesn't insist on togetherness all of the time which is good in fact we spend a fair deal of time apart He is not possessive. He does not impose. He is trying not to indulge in his worst, most pressing desire. He is trying not to kill. He is trying, as I have, to walk in your world not as a threat, but a part of it. To try to feel alive again in this time and place. In your time and place, my dear friend. We are failing, but we are failing together. That part of it is good. I must take a moment to stop and thank you. I haven't done that for some time. Things have been changing for me. I have been changing my life, whatever it is, whatever it is worth has been changing and slipping through my grasp, along with any control over it I had before. But you, you have been there, listening, quiet and constant. Thank you. But he is here again, and I don't know what he wants or what he expects. Well, to be honest, he is not here right now. It is just you and I. I told him that I must continue my podcast. I must continue to speak to my friends. At first he was hurt and confused. After all, did I not begin this because I was lonely? Because I wanted to reach out and connect with someone, something? Do I not have that now? Mm, Not really. Not always. He is here, and he is not, my dark stranger. And how do I know that he won't go away again? For how long next time? How long will you leave me alone to sit and cry and long for company? How do I know that it won't be forever next time? And how do I forgive you for what you've done to me? For what you've done to those I've... Known... I once promised someone that I would find you, you see. That I would catch you. Why do I feel as though you've caught me? I can't help but feel trapped, my friends. And yet, while I'm trapped here, I feel, even still, alone. Can you find me? Can you find me, my friends? Would you want to? I asked him if he loves me. I know that I am his beloved, that he treasures me more than anything. I know this, I said, and then repeated. But do you love me? He merely smiled that smile, and he whispered again, Beloved. If I left him, would it break his heart? Or am I flattering myself? Is it better to feel lonely by oneself? This is all very melodramatic, I'm afraid. It's time for your story. There was a woman a long, long time ago who had great power and great knowledge and a great darkness inside of her. She was wealthy, and she was strong, and she was ruthless. She lived in a beautiful old home, not quite a castle, but not quite a tower in the country, far away from any city with any prying eyes. Her family had lived there with servants and their great fortune, but now she inherited it all, and she dismissed anyone who had ever worked there. She lived there on her own, She had provisions brought for her as she saw fit. She treasured her solitude, for she despised other people. They were cruel, they were crass, and they were unintelligent. She had no time for them. She never had before. She loved the empty halls of her beautiful stronghold. She adored her beautiful treasures. She cherished the silence in the halls or the sound of her own footsteps her own whispers in the darkness, or at least she thought she did. But eventually, after years and years of living alone in her family's house, after they had all left her or passed away, she was shocked and infuriated to find herself weeping in bed at night at the emptiness of her home and the silence and the solitude. For, though she loved it more than people, she still found herself lonesome. How do I put this? I have told you of witches I have known in the past, of wise, powerful women who used their knowledge and their skills to help people or bring about justice, or to protect themselves, or at the very least, to not hurt anyone. But this woman, she was different. She knew many dark, terrible things. She studied them voraciously. She learned incantations, spells, invocations, and she did so selfishly. She had often used these when her household was full of workers, of family members, of nannies, teachers, and potential suitors. She had driven them away with glee. She had cursed them, hexed them, Even set a weak, desperate ghost against them from time to time. She didn't want to share her great fortune. She didn't want to be told how to use it. She wanted it all to herself. She wouldn't let some stupid, useless husband take over it all. She wouldn't leave it to ungrateful children. It was hers. And yet, why did she feel so lonely? What was she lonely for? Companionship. But from a companion who was more... worthy than a person, than a human. She read, and she researched, and she practiced. And this time, it was an evocation she perfected. I've mentioned that your human knowledge of things like demons and... angels... "'is flawed. It is overly black and white. "'Dare I say that your knowledge of good and evil is confused as well? "'A wise witch will understand this. "'She will have learned that, though some demons love inflicting pain "'and spreading evil and malice throughout the world, "'other demons are simply called that "'because the world did not know where else to categorize them. "'Perhaps they are less than good.' Perhaps they are evil and malicious, but not because they are a product of a devil character from some religion or other. In short, what your world calls demons need not always be associated with a narrow-minded perception of a religious hierarchy. Not that this witch in particular would have minded if they were. She wanted to see just how powerful she was. She wanted to see if she could bring about a companion of a non-human kind, of an intelligent kind perhaps a kindred spirit who, like her, shunned the outside world and the affection of humans, a suitable companion for a sorceress like her. And so, one evening on a full moon, she donned a robe of scarlet silk, she went out into the vast wilderness behind her home, and she drew a circle in the ground. She drew several symbols within that circle, She set several purple and lavender candles and lit each one. She placed cinnamon and wormwood out in a strategic pattern. She spoke under her breath the evocation she had memorized the entire time she prepared. And she cut her hand, deeply and quickly, and formed a circle of blood around herself. And she waited. Eyes closed, breath deep and steady, She waited, until she soon heard the sound of someone else breathing. She opened her eyes. A creature stood before her, tall, slender, elegant in proportion with skin that was unnaturally white, white as the most frightening creatures that dwelt in the deepest part of the deepest ocean, almost translucent. They wore a simple shift of a shining silver material over their smooth, strange body. Their face was horrible and lovely all at once, long, with bleeding red eyes and lips that looked bitten and bruised. Red horns grew from their head, and curled and twisted down their back, almost like a beautiful, unmoving mane of hair. Long red talons sprouted from bleeding fingernail beds. Ah, it is so beautiful, the witch whispered to herself. The demon inhaled sharply. Do not bring me here to you and immediately insult me. You summoned me, You know my name. You may use it. It had a lovely, strange, and terrifying voice, strong and commanding. Let me apologize, the witch said, and she bowed deeply to her new companion. We have so much to share, you and I. The demon looked the woman up and down, their expression unchanging. Lead the way, then. The witch spent the next two days locked up in the home with her companion, too excited to sleep. The things we can accomplish, she said. She wanted to try so many more spells, learn so many new things. A passion had awoken in her, a desire to acquire more and more power and knowledge. That she had done this thing, that she had brought into the world this beautiful and horrible creature, it was incredible. When the woman finally slept, the creature wandered the halls of the home by themselves. Alone they walked, one three-toed, clawed foot after the other, looking at the paintings. Paintings of this woman's family. A large, beautiful family, wealthy and wanting for nothing, but with an unhappy, angry daughter as the focal point in each portrait. They walked through beautiful rooms adorned with ivory and gold and saw beautiful things that they could only have dreamt of before now. A golden harp here, a marble statue there, a luxurious bed here, a magnificent dining table there. They sensed joy that had been felt here once. But very, very long ago, long past, and they sensed discontent and greed, much more recent. They walked through the servants' quarters, still beautiful, quaint, comfortable, and lovely places. They sensed the struggle and the strife the servants must have felt. They sensed the grief and panic that was felt most recently, Most likely when they had all been dismissed from the family they had spent their entire life serving. They walked through the library and all the books that were open to spells and incantations. Bring forth a demon, one said. Learn secrets from beyond, another said. Increase your wealth, still another said. Ah, I see, the creature thought to themselves. I understand you, witch. To confirm their suspicions, they went to the door and tried to open it. It was locked. There was no escape from this place. And they sighed as they realized exactly what they were companion to. The next morning, the witch awoke. She yawned and sat up in her bed, and despite herself, she screamed. The demon was waiting for her, standing right by her bed. "'What would you have me do, mistress?' they asked. And the witch rose, and she thought of some tasks for the two of them to do together. She taught the demon about the herbs in the garden, and how much of each she preferred to have on hand at all times. The demon, after being instructed to, told stories of their harrowed past, and divulged secrets of the world from which they came. Day after day passed with menial task after menial task, and the woman found herself entranced with this red and white demon before her, their dark and emotionless voice, their deep and fathomless eyes, their unknowable storage of knowledge of secret things their elegance and poise, and the distance they carried themselves with. Everyone else doted on her, you see. Everyone else wanted her for her beauty, or intelligence, or wealth. This demon did not want her at all. And it was entrancing, charming, and alluring. Weeks passed with this strange friendship, if one could call it that. The witch would dictate what they would do each day, but mostly she found herself living her life as usual, but having a lovely, strange companion with her to do it with. And she loved this. The demon would walk the halls alone at night, having no need of sleep. And they would read stories. Stories about humanity, human nature, love, loss, loneliness. Facts about different places all across the world. Beautiful different places than this, with different people who had different wants and needs than this strange, hard woman the demon found themselves living with currently. And their curiosity for the outside world, for the wide buffet of human life, personality, and passion that the world had to offer, grew and grew. And one day, the demon asked once again, "'What would you have me do, mistress?' Why have you summoned me here? I have not performed any service for you as of yet. I have taught you much, and you have taught me some, but you have had no task for me. The woman was taken aback. She thought for some time on it, and she replied, I did not summon you so that you could perform errands for me, or parlor tricks, or anything like that. And I have no desire for you to do that now. You see, we have been companions this past while, and I find now that I, I love you completely, utterly, and devotedly. The demon narrowed their eyes at her. Perhaps you do, but I sense that when you summoned me, you would have loved me no matter what I was. The woman almost frantically went to her companion. Perhaps I can't say for sure, but I find that now that I have you, I do love you. Isn't that what's important? The demon exhaled deeply. This is not the bargain we entered into. You summoned me by my name to be your servant. I have come. But you cannot command me to love you in return. That's not how this works, mortal. The woman was afraid, sad, and desperate. But you must love me. I've spurned everyone else in my life, for they were no match for me, no fitting companion for someone like me. But you, you are. The demon shook their head. I am no match for you. You are not like me. And they stood tall, suddenly seeming so much more large and imposing than ever before. If you have no practical need of me, then you must release me. I am not a pet, woman. I am what I am, and you, with all your wisdom and your study and your magic, ought to have known that when you called me. The woman was mad now with longing and fury. You are mine, she cried. You would not be here without me. You are ungrateful and cold as ice. (laughs) and the demon couldn't help but laugh at the hypocrisy of this statement but then they paused for a long moment and replied calmly you are dissatisfied with me perhaps mistress you should try again and the witch understood and she agreed Sadly, for though she wanted a companion who would be more compliant and voluntarily engage with her, she had indeed become enamored of the strange and beautiful creature she had spent the last few weeks with. She had finally met someone as cold and cruel as her, and so her narcissism had finally broken as she saw herself in this pained, broken, lovely ghoul. They went out to the field beyond the house where the first ceremony was performed. The witch drew a circle. The demon helped her light the purple and lavender candles. They spread out cinnamon and. and wormwood. Where was it? Hadn't she asked her demon to bring it out? Mistress, you've forgotten the wormwood the demon said as they calmly continued to light candles. I'm afraid I don't know where it is. The woman scoffed and trudged her way back to the house. She went inside. She looked in her cabinet of dried herbs. wasn't there. She searched drawer after drawer unsuccessfully. She went to the door again to shout after her companion when... She came face to face with them. The demon smiled at her from across the open door, as they clutched the wormwood in their pale, bloody hand. And they whispered, quickly and sharply, locks within this cage, locks without this cage, and only you inside, so mote it be as you wish you shall receive. And they slammed the door, and it locked from the inside and the outside and the demons stretched their delicate white shoulder blades in the moonlight and their long lovely neck and they walked into the woods even as the witch screamed and cried and swore and begged for mercy from within the house that no one would ever enter ever again and no one would ever leave I came across this demon before, and they looked on me with grace and pity and admiration. I think I looked back at them the same way. Did she deserve such an end? I asked, of the witch in the mansion. The demon shrugged their translucent shoulders. She presumed that, before she summoned me, I was in some terrible, torturous place, alone, as lonely and bitter as she was. That's what she wanted. She never realized that, before I was forced into your world, the creature smiled at me with a lovely, bleeding, swollen smile. One of the saddest smiles I have ever seen. I was already loved. If that demon ever managed to summon the one that they loved into this world. Or perhaps they learned how to travel back to their home, wherever that may have been. But I realized that they were right. The witch had assumed she was saving the creature, giving them a wonderful gift, when in fact she was the villain, not the savior. He's waiting outside this room, my dark stranger, waiting for me to finish speaking with you. Does he know that he is not my savior, do you think? Hello, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, I'm Kristen Zaza, and this has been episode 20 of On a Dark Cold Night. I can't believe it's been 20 episodes already. Can you leap and lizards? This week, I have a new review I wanted to share with you. This is a five-star review from a user named Dre Blinken, or is it Dr. Abe Blinken? I'm not sure. Either way, Dre Blinken says in a review titled, A Cure for My Insomnia, Wow, what can I say? This podcast is amazing. I have never written a review for anything before, let alone a podcast, but this one is deserving. The writing is top-notch. You feel like the narrator, Kristen, is actually talking to you when you listen. Not only that, but Kristen's voice is so wonderfully soothing in this dark, sexy way. She could probably read the phone book to me and I could relax and doze off. But her amazing writing along with that voice? It's podcast perfection. I am totally speechless. Podcast perfection, that is extremely encouraging. Uh, thank you so much, Dre Blinken or Dr. A. Blinken, however you pronounce it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to hear your thoughts or reviews or questions read out on the show, drop me one on iTunes, Podknife, Stitcher, or in the comments section on my website. Or you can email your thoughts or questions to darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your thoughts about the show. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and I've got a Facebook group as well that you can check out, review, write me at, all that fun stuff. And if you want to show your support in another way, you can be like Ellie, Nora, and David and buy me a coffee on coffee.com. You can find me there at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Any little bit helps, as I'm sure you know, a lot of time and effort and love goes into making a podcast, so any support is really, really appreciated. And a free way you can support financially, what? That makes no sense. Well, my friends, wait and see, is to download the Radio Public app and listen to me there it's free to use, and every listen I get through Radio Public helps me get paid for my work, since I'm a part of their paid listens program. I'd really appreciate it. Anyhow, thank you so much for listening yet again. This week was really encouraging to me, just sort of seeing people from all over the world listening, hearing great feedback from some of them. Uh, keep that feedback and engagement coming if you like. I will reply and engage back. I really want to find out how the show can grow and improve, so I welcome that sort of thing. I hope you guys are having a great week. Sometimes things are dark and lonely and scary. And for me, creating a dark and lonely and scary podcast to share with you all actually combats that feeling somehow. um, Like your narrator, talking to you guys helps me feel a lot better. So uh, I hope I make you feel a bit better too. Take care, friends.